When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast. It's the Fulhamish Podcast, your independent voice of Fulham SC. My name's Sammy James and welcome to the show. Today we're going to look back at Fulham's 3-2 win over Brentford in the Premier League Summer Series. It was the opening weekend of the competition and Fulham got a win to start things off. We were playing at the Lincoln Financial Field, which is the home of the Philadelphia Eagles NFL team. And what a win. Three brilliant goals from Fulham, one from Harry Wilson, one from Bobby Deckard Overeed, one from Carlos Vinicius, a highly entertaining game and and a much needed morale boosting win after a difficult week off the pitch. We'll look back at the game and discuss all the latest transfer rumours in and out. And I'm joined here by George Cooper. Hello. Hello, mate. You good? Very good. What an incredible weekend um, we had. We had the Fulhamish live show on Saturday, which you'd have heard here on the pod feed, which was uh, hugely exciting. Uh, and then on Sunday, uh, we went, went to the tailgate, the Fulham tailgate outside the ground. And then we watched the game and uh, we then watched uh, Villa Newcastle afterwards, which was also a bit of a barnstormer. And it's just been one of the most fun weekends I've ever had to do with Fulham. Um, just incredible i knew there was a lot of american fulham fans but the scale of it all and the friendliness of everyone we met has just made this one of the most enjoyable fulham things i've ever done yeah yeah it's been an absolute whirlwind so arrived at well you've been there the day before sammy but i arrived at like six in the morning on saturday literally dropped the bags off uh had a shower did the live show, which was sort of lunchtime kickoff. And then from there, went on to the main Fulham event, which was also fantastic. Watched Philadelphia Union game. We met so many lovely people. It just made us feel so welcome. And uh, and then the game was like two absolute barn burners. Fulham, Brentford. We saw, what was it? Um, 11 goals in total. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, not a bad day at the office, is it? Incredible stadium, gorgeous weather, lovely people. Yeah, just one of one of the all-time uh, great kind of football footballing weekends. It was it was brilliant. Yeah, and right now as we record this, we're up uh, near Stamford, Connecticut. Um, we've been put up for a couple of nights by a Fulhamish listener, which is uh, incredibly kind. Richard Greenberg and his wife uh, Diana, um, who have uh, given us uh, a place to stay for a couple of nights, and so we're kind of out of the the Philadelphia uh, madness um, for a few days. So yeah, we wanted to do an early shout out to them. So thank you um, very much. Let's look back um, at the game. Um, Lineup came out. There was a couple of uh, surprises in there. Jao Polinia at centre-back was a bit of an odd one. Rodrigo Moon is up front. But other than that, uh, Marek Rodak in goal. Other than that, that, though, it did feel like quite a first eleven feeling to it. I thought there might be a few more kids playing from the start, but it was it was all pretty strong on both sides, really, from the off. Yeah, you got the feeling that there was rotation that was going to be happening around the halfway 
point. And obviously Marco's using this as an opportunity to build up some match fitness, uh, give people a run out. I think that's why we saw uh, Rodrigo Muniz just to, you know, he didn't really get much game time at Middlesbrough. So it's just trying to get him back up to speed. But yeah, strong. And we, we started brilliantly, I thought. You know, there was real intent there, attacking intent. The pitch was huge. So mm. this happened with both games. It felt like both games were really open. Yeah. Um, I quite like seeing Pallini at centre-back. It was a weird one because you kind of think that, is that a choice of necessity? Obviously, like Tim Ream's out, Tosin, there's uh, uncertainty about his future at the club. So do you think it's just like, all oh, right, we need a centre-back? We saw quite a few people at centre-back. Well, yeah, because obviously... Um Figuerella's um, came on and played centre-back later in the game, was really assured there. But I think we were going for a experienced team first and foremost. And yeah, I think it was a little bit out of necessity, really, that we had to put Polina at centre-back. I mean, it kind of worked until Polina got injured, which, yeah. uh, which we'll come on to. The pitch was a bit odd as well, wasn't it? Because the ball wasn't moving that freely. We noticed that in the stadium. So actually it felt like a lot of chances happened because the passing around the back just wasn't as crisp as you'd see at a Premier League ground where where maybe the pitch is, is wetter and it zipped. It, it sometimes almost got stuck. It was like watching a... Sometimes it looked like the ball wasn't pumped. Obviously that wasn't the case, but it kind of had the same effect. Yeah, it was a weird one. You pointed it out and then I was just like, what are you talking about? And then observed it for a bit and it was almost like, you know... Um, that sort of Brazilian uh, football, uh, like foosball, where the mm. ball is slightly weighted. Because mm. you think if it was just dry, the pitch, the ball would still be bouncing. It was almost as if it was like a heavier ball. Yeah. It was really bizarre. It slowed down play a bit, but it meant that those through balls behind just kind of like sat up nicely. So it was a lot of nice, um, you know, like a lot of balls that kind of cut through defences that allowed the likes of uh, Harrison Reed and Bobby Deco de Rui to run onto. But yeah, it was a strange one. It, like both games were all gas, no breaks. I mean, yeah. it was a great advert for the Premier League to um, to all the American fans that attended because uh, and even the um, Chelsea Brighton game that had been the night before that was 4-3 yeah so I mean people sure got their money's worth yeah you definitely got your money's worth if you went to uh, the games this weekend uh, and Fulham well, we came out the blocks really quickly Harry Wilson with uh, a lovely curled finish kind of like the Harry Wilson that we never really have seen at Fulham. That's kind of like Harry Wilson of old bending them in uh, like that. Um, obviously, the, the goal was the highlight of his performance, but I thought he was he looked super sharp and it feels like this is going to be Harry's season if he can just stay fit. It's that new Barnet. It's given him a new lease of life. Yeah, the, uh... he, he, he does. <laughs> I enjoyed the uh, Instagram for the club where they said he had uh, Kennedy, uh, which is very apt given the uh, the Barbie release. I thought it was Andreas Pereira at first. I was like, has he come back from injury that quickly? And I was like, oh no, it's Wilson. Um, he was. He got man of the match, uh, the official man of the match, and rightly so. He was just electric. He had that you know, that cut inside, the drop of the shoulder, the turn of pace that we hadn't really seen since the, you know, that championship season. Certainly didn't see much of it last year, but really, he had the bit between his teeth. He was really sharp going at it. That aggression that we see from, um, occasionally see from Wilson as well. Just an all-round brilliant performance. He had the wind knocked out of him at one point as well, but didn't mm. affect him. And bodes really well for the start of next season, I think. Um, I'd definitely say Brentford maybe shaded 
the first half. They had a lot of chances. They scored from um, a corner. There was definitely a point where Fulham were under the cosh. And I think when Fulham did go into the lead, it was slightly then against the the run of play, the goal that uh, Bobby scored. It felt like um, we felt like we were beating XG a little bit, weren't we? We kind of just yeah. scored with two um, pretty outrageous goals from outside the box. Didn't really create a whole lot of chances other than that. So Brentford must have gone in at half time thinking... Huh. I'm not 100 sure how we're losing this. Yeah, um, but it, clinical finishes. Yeah, absolutely. It was just two shots from outside the box, two goals, and bees definitely had the. It was after the first sort of ten minutes, which was fairly open. They they really kind of dominated, to be honest. And you feel like it should have been perhaps level going into the break, but. You know, what can we, you do? We were struggling a bit down the left-hand side, it felt like, and Bumo um, was giving Robinson and then maybe Polina uh, quite a torrid time. And, and you wonder if it was maybe because Robinson was potentially having to do a bit more work than he normally would have if he's got someone like um, Reem at the back um, filling in. So, yeah, it did just feel like, particularly down the right-hand side, Brian and Bumo was just getting a lot of joy. Yeah, yeah, ab- ab- absolutely. And I think uh, Diop made a few very good um, interceptions, sort of last minute interceptions through uh, balls that were kind of very well placed in the corridor of uncertainty. So it's sort of clearances that could have easily just gone in the back of there as an own goal. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to the Polinia injury. Um, and well, obviously, like... Um, I kind of said it on the way home, I'd have happily lost 5-0 yesterday and that just not happened. That's almost the worst outcome really of the day. Um, yeah. He he went off with his arm in this kind of temporary sling, a bit like what we did when Tim Ream went off during that Man City game where he broke his arm, which honestly, that was my first thought. It was like, oh no, it's a, it's a break. Turns out it's a separated shoulder. That's what we're being told so far. Um, we, we did a little bit of a... Googling went on NHS direct. Um, it <laughs> says that the recovery time can be anywhere between two and 12 weeks, which uh, doesn't give us a huge amount of I mean, uh, intel. That's a hilariously broad time frame, isn't it? Yeah. He's either going to be back in a fortnight or three months. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> come on, that's like, let's, 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 let's give a bit of a clearer picture. But yeah, an absolute shocker. If you, if you go on, I said this on the quick say, if you go into that game, you'd be like, what's the worst possible situation? You'd be like, Paulinia injury. And then lo and behold, it happens. He got crocked. Um, I mean, he's got a great physio team behind him. He's obviously incredibly fit guy. Hopefully his recovery time will be closer to the fortnight. But I mean, it didn't look great. He looked like he was in a lot of discomfort. And I think it would be very, very unlikely that we'll see him start against Everton. Which is just a real stinker. The only silver lining of this is the fact that perhaps this might have you know, scared off West Ham for the time being at least. Yeah. But then again, I I, I I saw a few people saying this. If West Ham really wanted Jao Pellini, I don't feel like a separated shoulder is going to be the difference between that transfer happening and not happening because he's not ready for the first game of the season. If you're going to splash £90 million, I don't think they will. But if they were going to, I feel like uh, a small little injury. You know, if, he, if he'd done his ACL in, that might be something that puts you off. But like, uh, It's a factor though, right? And supposedly it's a recurring injury that Pellini has had as well. Yeah, so he's if had he's aggravated before. it before, um, yeah. It may not be the be all and end all. However, it, it will definitely be a factor that may kind of, you know, 
scupper or slow down the the proceedings. I don't know. I'm speculating here. No, no, no. I'm, I, just, I, try, I'm just trying to glean some positive. I, out you weren't of, you weren't alone. There were a lot of people saying that on Twitter. I saw that. Oh, it might be a silver lining because you might not get the move. And I just kind of thought, well, I don't feel like actually if if they. I, I don't think that transfer is happening. But then again, I said Mitro was staying. So uh, who do, what, <laughs> what, what what do I know? Um, second half. Um, we. There was two goals in really quick succession. If you stayed a little bit longer, if you did a Don Betts at half time and uh, you spent too long downing a beer and having a Philly cheesesteak in the concourse, you'd have uh, you'd have missed both second half goals. Uh, Vinny's was really well taken. Another one, what you said, like a through ball that sat up nicely for him, but he, he finished it well. And uh, well, look, we're going to probably need a, uh, a firing Carlos Vinicius given everything that's happening. So um, that's a real positive that he's on the score sheet. Yeah, Delightful ball, ball through by Harry Wilson, I believe. Mm. And then timed his run perfectly. Really cool, calm finish. Slotted at home. Um, slotted at home. Yeah, I mean, now's the perfect time for him to be getting these kind of goals right. And, um, you know, with a, whoever we bring in, it's, you know, Vinicius is going to really want to stake his claim. And the only way that he can do that is by impressing in the summer series. I thought Muniz was a bit laboured, to be quite honest. I think you agree with me on this point, Sammy. He just didn't look match fit. That's not to say that he won't, you know, become a bit sharper as the series continues, but he he looked really sluggish, in my opinion. But yeah, great to see Vinicius on the score sheet. Again, he's, he is a confidence player as well, you know, much like Mitrovic. Um, and yeah, let's, let's hope he continues it into the new season. Um, we got a good glimpse of a lot of youngsters yesterday. Uh, I mentioned, um, and I'm really sorry if I'm not pronouncing his name right. I will find out in time. But I think it's Di Fugaroles, um, who came on at centre-back. Kenny, Kenny Tete was suddenly playing centre-back at yeah. the beginning of the um, second half. And um, it really was looking a bit Fred Bears. I mean, he was an actual centre-back. I thought he came on and looked um, brilliant. Stansfield um, played a full 45. And um, I thought Stansfield looked really sharp. Um, I, we were saying that it would be nice if Stansfield look. Obviously, Harry Wilson is the starting right winger, but I feel like it'd be brilliant if we didn't sign another right winger that's going to put him down the pecking order, put some faith, put some trust in Jay that like, look, if Harry Wilson has an injury or if we need some squad rotation or we need an option in the second half, you're our go-to guy. Because I feel like we've been so guilty of that over the years. We're so desperate for, for new signings and then we'll bring someone in on loan that puts a youngster down the pecking order. I really feel like it's time to trust in Jay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I do. But then that's obviously like, I mean, Jay's got proven quality and I don't think there's a single member of the fan base who doesn't agree with what he's saying. There's something we'd absolutely love to see him stake his claim in the squads and become a you know a key member of the team. But I mean, that's a risk though, isn't it? Like you've, all of a sudden, if it doesn't go to plan or uh, Wilson picks up an injury or Jay's just like lacking that little bit of experience and that all of a sudden leaves you very, very weak on the right-hand side. So but you've got Deckard over Reed who also can play on the right as well. So you've got like a lot of options there. You've got, you've got Wilson, you've got Deckard over Reed. I think then if you have Stansfield as your kind of t second stroke, third choice right winger, like I don't think we need to bring in another one. I think we need someone else on the left. And that's where probably Callum Hudson and Doyle, although that rumour's dropped down a little bit, I haven't heard about it in a few weeks, um, fits in. But I, I just think like someone like Jay at some point, like if you get another right winger in and then Jay Stansfield's the fourth choice, he's going to be looking there going, what have I got to do? Mm. 
No, it's about finding that balance, right? Yeah. Um, if you perhaps bring somebody in who can play as a backup 10 and a, on the right as well, then that could be a sensible compromise. But yeah, no, I totally want to see Jay in the fold this year, that's for sure. Yeah, uh, we saw a bit of Luke Harris, we saw a bit of Dibley Diaz. Um, what so, a name, by the way. It's my favourite favorite full of names. Well, well it's, it's, it's closely followed by McCoy Splat. Yeah. <laughs> We've got a lot of great um, double barrel names in the uh, coming up through the ranks. Sort of like, I would say, the sort of like um, Atletico Mints, Bob Mortimer-esque kind of names. They're brilliant, <laughs> fantastic. Um, and, and then, um, obviously, uh, that was the end. Uh, Fulham almost time wasting towards the end which was kind of jokes you know it? what I love to see that I was so happy because it got a bit with everything it got feisty yeah it got a bit tasty in the second half there was like a, a whole scuffle that um, that kicked off that f- uh, after there was quite a shall we say boisterous barge on Harry Wilson that sent him absolutely flying I think it just knocked the wind out of him um, in a friendly like it was it was quite it was like burp borderline foul but I think it just about got away with it and then that kind of kicked off um, some sort of scuffle off on the bench I think you said it was uh, Harrison Reed who went flying in as a bit of retaliation yeah. did, did, like, we were quite far away we didn't actually I, see I, I still am not 100% sure what happened before I saw Harrison Reed go flying in um, in retaliation to something that happened but it all just kind of happened quite quick and it was it was one of those classic ones where if it was the other side of the pitch it probably wouldn't have been as uh, but because it was in front of the dugout then the subs all got involved and it, I mean it was hot out there as well right like it was it was baking and, yeah. and I think probably things boiled over a little bit. The game that was on later, Villa Newcastle was kind of like nicer, balmier temperature to play football in. But like th- those lads would have been working hard to play in that heat on that gigantic pitch. Yeah. Yeah. And just to go back with what you- to what you were saying that with the time wasting you know taking it to the corner taking a short corner I think just the whole team just really wanted that win yeah. you know it was it, which is great to see because it means they're like you know everyone's taking it seriously win over the rivals albeit in pre-season but it all still counts you know and just for the morale of the squad I guess like just yeah. as a bit of a boost I think it's just the thing about pre-season is everyone reads so much into it and probably too much into it. You know, there's fe- tons of famous examples of times down the years where teams have had terrible pre-season and go on and win trophies and things like that. And I, I, but I do remember last season when we lost 5-1 to Benfica and everyone had a meltdown thinking, oh yeah. no, here we go, we're going to get relegated. And obviously look what happened in the end. So it's just nice to win maybe just so that everyone's like a little bit happy and stuff like that. And I think if you went into something like this summer series and lost all three games, yeah, I think we'd probably all come out of that thinking, oh no, what's going to happen? At least now, like, look, if you no shame to lose to Villa and Chelsea if it happens. But if we got one win out of three, then everyone's kind of going to be okay at least it's not a whitewash yeah yeah I think also last year the the meltdown was tied with Silver's comments he came out and said that you know the squad's not ready he wasn't being backed enough and mm. there was a lot of kind of feeling like oh god this is happening again we're gonna be the whipping boys um, but yeah no we, we, we needed at least one win and I, I, given the calibre and entertainment of the games that we've already seen I, I fully expect Chelsea and uh, Villa to be you know, another all gas, no breaks affair. There'll be lots of goals. Yeah. Hopefully we'll see a bit more rotation and yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. It's, I, I think certainly being out here, it feels like a successful format that the Premier League probably could and should 
repeat time and time again. And I think like if Fulham were lucky enough to get invited back, like I, I think obviously look, it's a long way to come. It's a lot of money, etc. It was interesting yesterday how actually some of the other teams, Newcastle and Brentford in particular, seem to have quite a lot of UK fans over for the game. That wasn't really the case with um, Fulham, but um, we just want to talk about the tailgate beforehand <laughs> yeah. because um, it was kind of this weird melange of um, British sports done in an American way. It was and, great. Um, it, was a, it was the collab that nobody knew they needed, but they, it was like so good. Yeah, so we rocked up to the the Lincoln Financial Field at about midday and. Uh, all the guys from Fulham, PH Fulham, Philly Fulham, um, TJ and uh, and Lee and Cam and all and all uh, uh, his team, yeah, were 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 setting up this uh, tailgate. And I mean, there was beers, burgers, hot dogs. Um, there was just a uh, there was this kind of I'm not sure what the game's called. It was like they were throwing like bags. Oh, of- um, uh, it's called oh, what's it called? Something sack. You, you got two. Um, Bits of plywood with a hole in it, and then uh, and then bean bags, and you're standing about twelve yards apart, and you have to try and throw your sack into um, into the hoop. Okay, we've not we've done a terrible. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm, not, I'm sure there is a, a name for it, and I'm sure we're going to get inundated with American uh, listeners uh, telling us what the name of that game is. Um, but, but yeah, it was like in the parking lot, like huge coolers filled with beers. Everyone was just like helping themselves. I think it was all funded by. Um, Fulham, Fulham DC and Fulham Philly who uh, were selling some scarves that all went into the tailgating activities but like it was just great fun it felt like being a being at a, like a summer barbecue yeah with all your mates but all of your mates are now Fulham fans and it, the beautiful thing was is that you had Fulham fans that had come from all over the states so obviously there was the Philadelphia core you know a couple of lads from DC Dane and Chris and then just like people who come from Maine Oregon, <clears throat> Florida, and the sense that these people like don't have an awful lot of Fulham fans where in the towns that they may live. So it was like all of a sudden you're just like surrounded by other Fulham fans. It was great. Like everyone, yeah. you know, met met so many amazing, lovely people, you know, friends now. Um and it was it just felt like a real also there's no pressure going into the game. Everyone was just there for a good time. Like yeah. the football was obviously, you know, the the center point of the day, but the result was kind of secondary. It was just a it was just glorious, wasn't it? Yeah. Um I I would love to see something like that replicated in Bishop's Park one day. Obviously, it's very American culture. It, <laughs> that's never going to happen. But um, it would work if everyone, everyone decided to do it one day. It, it could be quite fun. But look, I mean, it's good to let some things be. This That's how the Americans do it. We do it differently. But it was awesome to experience it. Yeah. Also, it was like it was like 32 degrees. And like, you could imagine Bishop's Park, everyone freezing their nuts off at like <laughs> minus yeah. four on the like 2nd of January or something. <laughs> Just like, in it's not mud. quite got the same, uh, yeah, in the muds and the sort of like sleety gravel. Uh, it's not quite got the same appeal maybe. But I suppose you, you made the valid point that Eagles, it gets cold here in Philadelphia and I imagine yeah. they'll still go out and do it. So yeah, who knows? Maybe we need to give a crack at it. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be uh, I wouldn't be against it if uh, someone uh, fancied doing it. But yeah, we just had uh, a, a brilliant day, a brilliant weekend in uh, Philadelphia and uh, excited to see it all happen again uh, next weekend in DC. Obviously Fulham are going to be playing in, uh, in Orlando on Wednesday and I know there are official events happening uh, down in Florida for that too. Uh, we're going to take a break there. Afterwards, we're going to look at all the latest transfer gossip. 
Part two of the Fulhamish podcast, Sammy here with George and we are in America and uh, covering the summer series. Um, but the transfer rumour mill does not stop just because Fulham are the other side of the pond. Um, George, let's discuss the latest Mitrovic um, saga. Um, it's going on and on and on. So Mitrovic was there yesterday. We could see him on the bench. Um he did kind of go over with the team, with the fans, uh, to the fans, sorry, after the game. Um, he wasn't really hugely enthusiastic, but he also wasn't completely sulking either. He just looked like he was in a little bit of a, of a daze. Um, I mean, more and more stories are coming out about how Mitro's agreed terms, basically, with Al-Halal. Um and if it seems like our halal are going to probably bite and pay the money that Fulham are asking for, it feels inevitable. What I'm fascinated by, and I didn't know if this would happen, and look, again, Twitter is not everyone, but it does feel like a lot of people are getting pissed off with Mitro and that he has so much credit in the bank of what he's done over the past five and a half years. And maybe in time, everyone will forget about how he's leaving. But right now he is doing some damage to his own kind of legacy at Fulham, it feels like. And time sometimes is a healer, but it's such a shame. Like he, he doesn't have to be doing this. He could still probably get his own way and leave graciously. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And yesterday it felt like that was when it really sunk in. I was like, right, this is inevitable. This is happening. You could just tell by his body language that he, he's checked out mentally. And I don't know whether he's refusing to play, but he obviously well, didn't feature in any sort of way. And you just need to get it done now. Just, you know, just get this over with. It's really upsetting for everyone. I mean, if you believe the reports and, you know, him, you know, saying, telling his nearest and dearest that he has no intention of ever playing for Fulham again and all this that and the other it's like you know like we like we adore you man like come on this is this is um you know you if if you really want to leave so be it but go about it in a way that doesn't doesn't tarnish your reputation and i mean there were some really interesting things that came out just now about um the killing mbappe stuff yeah this is this is wild and whether this happens or not because like they can bid all they want, but Kylian Mbappe still has to agree to go to Saudi Arabia. But yeah, Al Halal this morning have made a £259 million offer for Mbappe, um, which I believe is his release clause. So I think that PSG have to sell him at that amount. Um, and, and PSG wants to sell Mbappe. Like he, he, he could leave for free next summer. Um, obviously, Mbappe's dream is to go to Madrid. I mean, I've got two thoughts on this. Firstly, does Mitro know about this? Is this part? That was of, my thinking. Is this when part I, of the reason? When I heard that, you think oh, going to Saudi Arabia? Why do you want to go there? And like, if he's got the opportunity to link up with the greatest footballer in the world, then all of a sudden you're like, okay, well, <laughs> now the five hundred grand a week plus that is all of a sudden becoming a bit more kind of like, all right, whatever. But. My thinking is that maybe he's been told this. I don't. I, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's come out. It was on BBC though. So it's, 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 it's a serious. I think there there is definitely like there's an offer. That's 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 for sure. But whether Mbappe then thinks 
mm, playing in Saudi Arabia, um, is that good for my career? We're, we're questioning whether Mitrovic at the peak of his career should be moving to Saudi Arabia, a 24-year-old. I'm not 100% sure it is the right move, but then Mbappe is in circles that only certain clubs in world football can A, afford him and B, have the kind of like power to to have a player like that. Mm. I I think if he goes there, Mbappe, I'm talking about football's broken. Like, <laughs> what, what hope does anyone have then? You know, I really hope it didn't happen, but I, I think that if, I think that there's every chance that Mitro has been sort of told this and it's making the, the package seem a little bit more appealing. Part two though, if you've got £259 million to spend for Kylian Mbappe and yet we're yeah, haggling, haggling over £10 million. It's like chump change to them. It's like the whole thing just feels like, you know, when you have a bad dream and you wake up and you're like, oh, <laughs> thank God that isn't reality. But like, this is just reality. I just, I can't get my head around it. I really can't. No. And I just, as you, I just want to get it all done and so we can move on, get a replacement prepare for the season which starts in what three weeks time just it, it's got to the point now where it's just like come on let's just get this over with yeah. you know I think one thing out of seeing Mitrovic in the flesh yesterday and you know he, he was mostly just keeping himself to himself but he was laughing and joking a little bit with his teammates he didn't look like he'd been forced into the stadium at gunpoint and stuff and it did make you realize when you see Mitrovic that those comments about I never want to play for Fulham again I I can't believe he has said that I can believe he wants to go and I can believe this is completely real and stuff and I guess he maybe has said it but he hasn't put it in the terms that it's kind of been translated as as if like I hate Fulham I Mm. think it's he's he seems he obviously thinks he's got a once in a lifetime opportunity here and and we can disagree with it all we want about whether it's right for a player of him at his point in his career to go to Saudi and whether he's going to kind of rot away in a secondary league but I I think that there is a lot of paper talk here as well and we'll find out the truth one day no doubt yeah and another thing on the Mitro thing is that like he if you again if you believe what the papers are saying is angry at the club for seemingly slapping this 50 million pound price tag which I believe is 100% what he's worth to this club you know you think about he's our talisman he's our out and out striker you know his goals kept us in the league last year he's annoyed that we're slapping that price tag to potentially ward off a deal like it looks like we're getting that money anyway like why would you not want your you know your the club that you are contractually obliged to play for to get just like to get fair yeah, compensation. Compensation. I don't understand why that would be a thing. that, And also, it's just like not his place to say. Again, it's all speculative. It's all paper talk. But that's what I really I'm like, look, everyone's got what they want eventually. Mm. This whole kind of supposed, um, you know, hoo-ha about, you know, I don't want to play for Fulham anymore and the people upsetting fans and whatnot. It just feels also unnecessary. But, you know, I, I, I maintain that like, Mitro is a club hero if he does go to Saudi so be it he's given us so many amazing memories and that will never change so I, we'll just we'll just try and think of the positive and be like thank you for those wonderful memories and for being such a good servant for so long and I'm choosing not to believe the speculation but it's 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 hard it's it's really tough you know yeah one positive though it looks like 
Silva has said no to Saudi once again. Uh, he, I think we can be pretty sure that this is uh, to be believed. He has said no to Al-Ali. He's hardly absolutely committed his long-term future to Fulham at the same time, but he has said no to Saudi and, and it looks like he is going to be our manager this season. The contract, will he sign it? Won't he sign it? Will will rumble on. And until he does, there's always going to be a, a dark looming cloud, but it, it feels like for now we can all be pretty confident we did say this a few weeks ago to be fair um and i mean there still are two out of four um saudi pro clubs that haven't approached him so who knows um but yeah i think we can be fairly confident that goodison it's going to be marco silver in the dugout yeah but there's like loads of stuff around this which is also doesn't fill me with confidence like just the wording how he said i see out my contracts at clubs it just makes me think that okay yeah we'll see him next season that's good but I mean, he's very much keeping his options open when his contract runs out, right? He's yeah. not. He's not. He's by no means committing his long-term future, which I don't think is going to help all that much with the recruit player recruitment. But I mean, yeah, it's a positive. You know, we're delighted to have Marco for another year. But it would be so nice to see that news of a new contract. But sadly, I don't think it's going to come before, you know, August. Yeah, it, it feels like it's probably going to be on the uh, on the back burner for a little while, but it looks like the, the Saudi interest in, in Marco has diminished. Um, a few potential incomings. Um, yes. There's been lots of rumours over the weekend. It's all kind of um, sped up. Obviously, if you listen to our live show from Saturday, we discussed kind of um, Calvin Bassey um, at length. It now appears that we've also signed an agreement for Mohamed Salasu from... Southampton. Um, I think that dropped on Saturday pretty much as we were recording that podcast. Um, and if reports are to believe this morning, Fulham want to sign one of Bassi or South uh, Bassi or uh, Salasu. Um, we've got agreements with both clubs, and now it's going to come down to personal terms which one we actually go for which is a bit of a novel interest we're just playing off two players against each other which one will uh is it which one will take the lower wage i don't know yeah, is it is it, it which is it which one's a bit nicer to tony khan in the uh at, the, at lunch like it's a strange how, one is there is there absolutely is it rule is it out of the question that we sign both if if push came to shove is it definitely this one or sort of well, a bit of like which one of you wants it more i guess when you consider that Murato from benfica looks like it's very likely to happen as well. I mean, five senior centre-backs seems excessive and yeah. problematic almost because there's no way you'd be able to satisfy all of them unless you were in maybe something like Europe, which we're not. So, yeah, I, I, I must admit, I haven't got a massive opinion over Bassi or Salasu, which one, they, they both seem good. I think... I was reading some comments about from Southampton fans about Salasu, and they, that does seem to be a genuine like deal of affection for for Salasu. And as much as he obviously played his part last year in the relegation, he's also been at Southampton during very good times um, as as well. Yeah, and he, what twenty four years old? Yeah, uh, you know potential. Salonfi, yeah. To develop the player, centre backs usually hit their peaks a bit later as well. I mean, I, I, I haven't. I must confess, I'm not watching all that much of Southampton, but they were obviously terrible defensively last year. But yeah, we'll see what happens. 15 million sounds um, like quite high for, to me. Mm. Um, but again, I say, as I said, but I, I guess confess, for a, really a centre back with Premier League experience of several years, like I guess that's kind of the going rate really isn't it like I mean imagine that's the kind of amount that we'd be expecting to get for someone like 
oxytocin as well. So probably this transfer is basically just like, okay, one out, one in almost. Yeah, but I, so it was almost like, what's the point? Like, surely we've got Tosin. He's, he's you know, he knows the club. Like, he's, sh- surely I think the better strategy would just be to double down and try and keep Tosin. I know he's, he's made it amply clear that he wants to go and like Monaco swooping in and stuff, but... It's another one that I don't really understand. Like, why, why are we, why are we selling him if we're just going to get a, you know, a, a, a like for like? I, I, I don't. I wouldn't say that Salisu is necessarily an improvement on Tosin, would you? Not like, not, not obviously like an incl- a clear upgrade. So, look, I, I do think that the, the, the Salisu Bassi position is clearly the also looking ahead on Tim Ream, right? Because it's the left-sided centre-back and we're looking to try and someone that can take Tim Ream's place in a year, two years, three years, however long Tim can go on for, be a rotation piece, etc. So maybe it isn't necessarily like for like with Tosin, but Silva clearly wants four. He's got Diop, he's got Ream, and now he probably wants one of Salasua Bassi and then Murato. That's, I mean, that that'd be a very healthy roster of centre backs if that's if that's what we end up with come the end of August. Yeah, yeah. As as always with transfers, like I I don't pay too much credence to them until they're actually like announced on the Fulham website. Yeah, I just feel like there's so much speculation, but yeah, I certainly yeah. I, I've got no, I've got no reservations. Yeah. And then Raul Jimenez. And this is what fascinates me about Fulham transfers. We've been looking at names all summer, all summer, all summer. And the funny thing is, is that Raul Jimenez came out of nowhere. I hadn't even seen a peep on, on, on Jimenez coming to Fulham. It seems like a five and a half million pound deal has been agreed. And the Athletic have been uh, reporting this pretty strongly. This is an interesting one that I also have not managed to fully get my head around. Obviously, there is going to be a Mitro-shaped striker hole very soon. We're going to have a lot of money to find a Mitro replacement. Jimenez is a good striker. He, I mean, was a top, top striker a few years ago. But he's not our Mitro replacement. But then again, is he going to be our backup? What does this mean for Carlos Vinicius? I'm a bit confused. I mean, another good player to have, but do we need two backup strikers or are we signing Jimenez as our Mitrovic replacement? Because if that's the case, then I'm concerned. Yeah. I mean, like it's reasonable value as well. I believe it's quite 5.5, yeah. right? Um, yeah. I think I think he's there. To be honest, he doesn't. is he that different a player? He's closer to Mitro in his playing style yeah. compared to Vinicius. So is it just a case of like having another option? But then, as you say, like he can't be the out and out replacement. I'd be, I'd be really worried <laughs> like going yeah. in if that's it. It's a, it's a strange one. It's really bad news for Rodrigo Munoz if, if you know, yeah, I, I, I mean, think that's 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 kind of curtains if if that's the case. I, I suspect that we'll probably see him go out on loan again. Um, yeah, well, it or, appears no one. I mean, Brazilian clubs have been trying to buy him, but then are getting nowhere near our valuation of him, and we're trying to recoup thing a bit of money that we spent on Moonies. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's a it's a it's a head scratch. It's, I mean, it's never bad to have options, but again, it's just um, it just feels like a bit of a bit of a squad filler kind of yeah. acquisition rather than a a real statement of intent, which is what we need right now. Yeah. And I've always thought that like, if you're going to bring in another striker, we need a striker that can play multiple positions. The problem with Vinicius is that he can play up front and nowhere else. And that's why I always like players that can play a bit on the left, can play a bit of the right, play through the middle. Jimenez is not a 
again, he, he only really plays through the middle. So, mm. yeah, as you say, I, I, I to me, letting go of Mitrovic and bringing in Jimenez, someone that is surplus to requirements at Wolves, um, who finished below us, has, has not really scored prolifically for a number of years, ever since that horrendous injury and stuff. I mean, if that is what we're doing, it screams relegation. That screams what a relegated club would do. And I'm hoping that Fulham wouldn't do that. I, I'm a bit confused by it. But then again, in modern times, five million is just a bit of a roll of the dice kind of transfer, isn't it? See what happens. He might be good. He might not be. Yeah, yeah. I definitely think there's an element of that to it. But And also... Fulham has a rich reputation in in getting the best out of players who maybe have a bit of a point to prove. Mm. So there could be that. He could come good in that regard. Can take a penalty. Can take a penalty. <laughs> so we're laughing at I can't remember who we were chatting to at the live show, but upon Meech's departure, his comments was, um, uh, oh, it was Sue Hale. It was Sue Hale. It was, um, from um, Canada, he said, oh yeah, well at least now we can actually get a decent penalty taker. Yeah, <laughs> that whole debate at least is uh, put to bed about whether we're upsetting Mitrovic or whether by taking him off penalties, finally yeah. we can give it to Andreas Pereira who <laughs> deserves to have the uh, the, the penalty <laughs> spot. We're, we're, finding, we're finding silver linings here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Clutching his straws, I believe it's called as well. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Uh, in terms of other rumours, uh, obviously you know that uh, you can always check out Cam Ramsey's uh, rumour roundup. Uh, for for all the latest kind of uh, bits of of paper talk, there was nothing there that massively like caught my eye in terms of of this is gonna happen. But it's it's interesting, Coops, that it feels like things are warming up now. Finally, at least we're talking about players coming in and not just players leaving. Yeah, I mean it's the it's the classic Tony Khan final flourish, <laughs> yeah. leave it the death, get a get a decent deal um, style, which. Um, Sometimes works. I don't think it's very good for the sort of club's anxiety levels. It also doesn't give players an awful lot of chance to bed in. But if you do buy someone of the quality of, um, you know, some of the previous last ditch purchases that he's made, then maybe that doesn't come into it so much. But yeah, it's it's, it's starting to boil a little bit now. Um, it should be nice to see some actually get through the gate, you know? Yeah. Uh, what would be really nice if we get one of those like, transfers out of nowhere that like there's been no rumours at yeah. all and then all of a sudden it's just like here you are the answer to all your prayers 100% well um, uh, the Fulham transfer show won't be uh, happening quite as it normally does um, this week however uh, Jack Kelly and Joe Sanson will be uh, reigniting the Jack and Joe show this week so uh, do uh, head over to YouTube uh, to see what uh, the lads think uh, on all the latest uh, transfer news uh, Fulhamish will be back on Thursday so we're going to be watching the Villa game over here in the States um, we're going to be going to watch it at a bar called Legends Bar um, and uh, we met quite a few uh, Fulham fans yesterday who are in New York who are, are going to come along uh, and watch the game with us um, it's actually quite a nice time because uh, the game uh, the Villa game is at 7 p.m. Eastern time over here uh, and then the US play the Netherlands in the Women's World Cup at nine so um, if you're in New York and you're at a loose end come down to Legends Bar and um, yeah come watch the game with us I don't think it's going to be uh, tons of us I think it might be uh, half a dozen or, or, or so but um, yeah it'd be great to, to, to watch the game with you guys it's right by the Empire State Building George can't miss um, it 
Yeah, literally walk towards the Empire State Building and you will see uh, the Legends Bar, uh, which should be uh, showing this uh, the Fulham Villa game. And we'll, uh, we'll see what happens uh, in that one. George, thank you very much for doing the pod today. Oh, mate, my pleasure. And just quickly before we finish, my mate Alicia um, got in touch and has asked us to uh, do a happy 30th birthday shout out to Tom Mehmet. Um, yeah, so yeah. Thanks for listening, man. Happy birthday, Tom. Um, yeah, happy birthday. The big 3-0. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll uh, see you later on in the week. We'll uh, see what happens in the second Summer Series game uh, against Aston Villa. Uh, and come on, you whites. You whites. You whites.